Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and I have my co-host, T. Yup, on the line, post-game. I won't say post-game, but post-week of week two. T. Yup, are you there? Oh, I'm definitely here, and I'm alive, and I love what's going on in the NFL right now. How about you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Actually, shoot, um, after the Cardinals near, well, they lost again, don't get me wrong, but uh, they, they certainly covered the spread. Uh, they were 13.5-point underdogs, and they were they lost by a touchdown, so I know that there's no such thing as moral victories, but overall, if you look at this division right now, you have the Niners 2-0, the Seahawks 2-0, the Rams 2-0, and the Cardinals 0-1-1. And they played a really tough Ravens team obviously um, they lost 17-23 the Niners they shitted on the Bengals at Bengals where they're now 2-0 for the first time in like forever they they beat the uh, yeah man they beat the Bengals at Cincinnati 41-17 the Seahawks had a pretty tough well you know it was tough but then all right, whatever they, they squeaked it out 28-26 at Pittsburgh Ben Roethlisberger, he got hurt. He's out for the season now. And then the Rams, they, um, man, at L.A., it was supposed to be a NFC Championship rematch. There was another controversial call, of course, against the Saints this time around. And, yeah, they they won 27-9. Drew Brees left the game with a thumb injury, and it looks like he's going to have surgery on his thumb. He's going to be, oh, yeah, on his thumb, I believe, and he's going to be out for the next couple weeks. And so that's what happened in the NFC West. We'll go ahead and talk about these games. But overall, I mean, you know, after a full Sunday of football games, I mean, what's just your overall take with week two, Tom? Uh, I'm pleasantly surprising how the NFC West teams have found success. That includes the Niners, the Seahawks, and the Rams. Um, Arizona, I mean, they're going through their lows. I guess they're not really too surprised by this. Um, at least they're not getting blown out, especially against that high-powered raising offense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Seattle, they always find a way to pull it out at the end, which is uh, it's always exciting, and you can always count on Russell to, uh, to make it happen. It was unfortunate that Big Ben, you know, got hurt, but then we'll talk about that more. And Rams, you know, Rams are doing their thing. You know, we know to expect. Another, it was another slow start to the game. Not for two weeks in a row, oddly enough. Um, yeah, and the Niners, they're just, they're just rolling. They just keep rolling, and I like it. On paper, like I said, the NFC West is the toughest division in football right now. Even the Cardinals, who are, you know, they were projected to be the worst team. Well, they still are technically in the division, but they're looking to be a very tough out. And I'm, you know, I'm really glad to see that Kyler Murray and this. You know, this offense, you know, 300, who is it? 350 passing yards. They did pretty well. Kyler Murray, it looks like the offense is turning along. 349 passing yards. Um, we can talk a little bit more in detail about this game, but it seems like at least this early on in the season that uh, all four teams in the NFC West seem pretty tough, uh, respectively, within the schedules. So, Tia, let's go ahead and talk about these games at hand, just recap and give your overall thoughts, and then we'll go ahead and 
talk about the lines for week three and just your initial thoughts with that as well. So tee up. Out of the four, you have the Niners, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. Pick a game and we can get at it. Uh, let's start with the Cardinals. Okay, so the Cardinals, like I said, they lost 17-23. to uh, They were 13.5-point favorites at Baltimore. This was Kyler Murray's first road game. Uh, yeah, no, it looked like one of those games where, you know, especially since the Ravens were coming off a convincing win against the Dolphins that uh, they were going to get killed, but, you know, Cardinals played well. Cardinals played well. They were in the game the entire time. The only thing that was really critical about this is, like, you know, they, they lost 17-23. to They covered the spread, obviously, but there were three times where they chose to go for the field goal. One at the three, one at the five, one at the six, I believe. They had three red zone trips where they were just right there, and Cliff Kingsbury chose to opt for the field goal. And considering how you know high-powered supposedly this offense is, it was just kind of ironic that he settled to go for field goals. Uh, they weren't, you know, they were heavy underdogs. That's, you know, that kind of nicks at me right, right there. Uh, Kyler Murray had 349 passing yards. He had a beautiful throw to Larry Fitzgerald. Um, David Johnson, I, I believe he got hurt early on in this game, but he should be okay. Uh, but I saw a, a lot of really good things out of this offense in the encore of Kyler Murray, especially on the road. Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, even the rookie Keyshawn Johnson, I saw some really good positives. But then at the same time, they lost. And that's why it kind of bugs me about you know losing 17-23 to and settling for field goals when it was such a tightly contested game. Uh, conversely, I mean, on the defense, Lamar Jackson, he ran for... Shoot, if you look at the stats, I mean, if you haven't been in fantasy, he balled the fuck out, man. Uh, let me pull it up right quick. Lamar Jackson, he had 272 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, but he carried the ball 16 times for 120 rushing yards. And so this front seven doesn't look particularly fast. They got killed by Lamar Jackson. Uh, Mark Andrews for the second week in a row. Their defense against tight ends is really weak. Mark Andrews had eight catches for 112 yards and a touchdown. Um, I don't know, man. It was one of those moral victories where you felt that, hey, I'm glad that they were competing, but you know they really honestly had a chance to win this game and upset the Ravens on the road. Tee up, what are your thoughts about this game? Uh, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with you that they were in the game the whole time because so first half, it was, it was 7-3. Second half, 17-3. Or, I'm sorry, second quarter, 17-3. Third quarter, it was 9-17. So maybe they a little glimmer of hope. And then Arizona finally scored a touchdown, but then Baltimore, they answered with two field goals just to, you know, give them a slight edge over them. I'm... You know, I, I really don't think they have they had enough to overcome Baltimore in their early scoring in the first half. They did give up their rushing yards. It's just staggering. They gave up 182 yards, and Arizona only had 20 rushing yards. That's you know, especially with a, with a team that you're, you're trying to find balance and get the rhythm and allow his receivers to get open. Uh, you know, Arizona they got to stop. Um, and you know, yeah, that was it. Was really a head scratcher that you know three 
three field goal attempts in the red zone. Fifth Kingsbury, I know you're trying to play conservative and try to get you know get the points when you can, but maybe it's too early to say. Maybe week two is too early to just kind of let it go, let it fly. But you know, maybe after the second or third field goal attempt. Cliff should have considered, you know, just go for it. Especially the one that was at the five yard line. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Just go for it. You might as well just go for it. You're on the road. You're not supposed to win this game, anyways. That, that's that's what I'm saying. That's why I feel like it was a a game that was left to be desired. Where you know, if uh, shoot, if Kyler Murray had beat Lamar Jackson on the road for his first career victory. Then the, the Kyler Murray train kind of arrives. The, the hype train officially arrives. He played well. He played well, don't get me wrong. What I really like about Kyler Murray overall with him is, you know, he doesn't make all his throws, but even on his misfires, it seems like all his throws, whether it's on the run or in the pocket, they're relatively within the radius. Uh, you give the receiver a chance to make a play. And, you know, I've been pleasantly surprised with this whole offense. I thought that it would take a little bit more time to adjust in the NFL. Um, but I, I see the vision. Conversely, like you mentioned before, they, they hardly ran the ball this time around. And maybe that's why, um, you know, they were playing a little bit of catch-up being down uh, the majority of the game. They kind of abandoned the run. I'll be intrigued to see how this play calling goes from week to week because Cliff Kingsbury, he seems to be trying to figure that ordeal. No, he's trying to just figure out the whole formula, you know? Yeah, and I don't know if that carries over from his college days at, you know, at Texas Tech, Texas Tech right? Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, but, but Christian Kirk, he had uh, eight receptions for 114 yards and six and eight targets. He's glad to see that the rookie, you know, the, the youth is uh, emerging as the front leader. Whatever you for Kyle Murray, that's, that's definitely a bright spot. I want to I emphasize yeah, no. that's another good one. Uh, but Larry Fitzgerald, you know, five sessions, 104 yards. That's that's awesome. That's uh, you know, the the old bet is is still putting putting in that work. That work. I'm actually surprised. So, Kyler Murray, he's been passing well. He had 349 passing yards. I'm actually kind of surprised that they haven't been utilizing him as a runner as much. Um, he only had a couple of rushing attempts through two weeks. And so they've been, yeah, they haven't really unleashed that quite yet. I mean, do you expect that to kind of progress later on? Or do you think this is what they kind of want to ha- have him at more so as a pocket passer? Mm, good question. I, time will tell. I think Cliff Kingsbury, I think he'll start opening the playbook more and more as the season goes on. Uh, I do believe that they're gonna, there's going to be more close games ahead of the I, I had a, their schedule for Arizona. And during those games when it's close game, it's possible to, to, to get the win. And I think King's Barrier is going to let Kyler just kind of do his thing on the field. But once again, Kyler, he's still young. He's a rookie, um, surrounded by a lot of youth and brand-new coach, too. So they're going to go through their woes. But I think there's definitely some close against the head for Arizona. Okay. Hopefully. Hopefully. Right on. Tia, pick another game now. I'll just let you uh, have some fun at it. Let's go to the Rams. Okay, so the Rams. So the Rams were, they, they at least for West Coast time, they were the 1 o'clock game. Highly contested earlier on. There was a lot of hype going into this. Drew Brees, uh, he left the game 
first half or whatever, he had a pick early on that wasn't necessarily his fault. It was off a uh, contested catch that was intercepted. But you know, overall, I think that everyone, despite you know the the Rams convincingly beating the the Saints. Uh, yeah, let me get the final score for that. That was a twenty-seven to nine game. It was a convincing score. Teddy Bridgewater came in for Drew Brees, and you know, obviously, he's not Drew Brees anymore. But they still had their chances. They lost twenty-seven to nine. But I think everyone is going to be talking about what happened in the first half tee up, which was where Jared Goff, he was in the pocket, he had his pass attempt. Um, bat bat battered down or deflected, and then there was a Saints defender that recovered the football and ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, mind you, the Jerry Goff was right in the red zone, and this happened where the refs, instead of letting the play run out, they, for whatever reason, they they whistled the ball dead. They called the play off, and you know Mike Pereira and the rest of the crew, you know, commentating this game said that hey. That was actually a very clear play where Jerry Goff should have had the fumble. It should have been a fumble recovery for a touchdown. But because they ruled the play dead, they never had a chance to challenge or, you know, go the other way for that. And so obviously that really upset a lot of Saints fans who once again get fucked over against the Rams. Just so happens. But, you know, the Rams outside of this controversial call, it's not their fault that this happened once again. But... You know, they contained Kamara. Kamara really didn't do much. I think he had, shoot, I think he had like 30 rushing yards. Not too much all-purpose. They had him contain. Teddy Bridgewater was okay. But, you know, this uh, this Rams team, you know, you saw a touchdown on a Gurley. You saw a lot of Cooper Cup. Play of the game was like that 60-yard touchdown where off a, you know, catch and go. Broke the receive, uh, broke the defensive backs. They got plenty of blocking upfield from their um, from their offense and went in for the score. And so it was very much a convincing win for the Rams. But it still is kind of clouded by that whole penalty or the non-call that was controversial once again with the Saints. I mean, what's your take on this game? Saints somehow the the Saints. Rams rivalry, there's always something wonky that goes on, and yet again, the refs completely screwed over the Saints, and I don't know why they should have let the play play out, that that's what the refs were supposed to do, but for whatever reason, they they blew the play dead, and they, they completely robbed the Saints of a touchdown. And that's, that's, that's the thing that's fucked up, man, because, like, as much as it sucks, they still lost 27-9. to 9. I don't know if uh, you necessarily want to count this pl- this game as, like, um, an anomaly because, you know, Drew Brees left. Obviously, you have this non-call. Um, I don't know. Is this, like, a discounted win, or is this something you can keep your head high on for the Rams? Uh, you know, a win's a win, right? Right. I guess as as the saying goes, you know, there's no pictures on the scorecard. So whatever the, whatever score you get, that's what you get. So you can't really hate on it. it, 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 it it's going to be one of those, though. Like, you're not going to forget that the fumble when the Saints got, got robbed. Uh, give credit to the Rams. 
Todd Gurley, he looked really good. He had 16 rush attempts for 63 yards and a touchdown. Yep. He looked great. You know, can't overlook that. Jared Goff, he, he kind of played his own type of game. And I believe he did turn it over once, though. Even though it wasn't an interception, but I think it was a fumble. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, no, no interception, but uh, shoot, he did lose one fumble. That's correct. He did lose one fumble, um, but yeah, he kind of stayed in his lane. He, he played his own type of game. Uh, Cooper Cup, you know, kind of a different game. Like compared to last week, where he had a he had a, a good uh, comeback or was it welcome back game? Uh, Cooper Cup only had one reception. Oh, I'm sorry, five receptions. Can you erase all that? <laughs> You're tripping, man. He had that one sixty-six yard touchdown yeah, 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 catch yeah. and run, which was uh, that was the game breaker in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it's funny though because they said that we were going to use a lot more you know double tight end, but all I've been seeing is Cup, Cooks, and Woods. They've been using them quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. The ironic part about you know their offense is you know they've been putting up points, obviously. But their uh, their offensive line this week was was pretty shitty actually actually through two weeks they've been on like the bottom third in the league in regards to like pass protection it's the defense that's been stepping up and that's been keeping them in games Jared Goff he did much better than he did last week but um, he was certainly under duress for a lot of this game I'll give the Saints a lot of credit their their defense showed up but you know it's one of those things like you know despite that call obviously and. Breeze being out, it was a really tough, tough pill for the Saints to swallow and, and respond. I mean, I think the biggest thing for the Rams is, you know, Alvin Kamari had 13 carries for 45 yards, one catch for 15. Michael Thomas had 10 catches for 89. I mean, for this most part, um, there was very little, there were very little big plays out of the Saints this time around. And so that's why the Rams won 27-9. to yeah, and I must say, you know, the Rams, the, the front seven is, is pretty legit. The pass rush has not changed. I, I I don't want to go off the charts and say this, but I think I am anyways. Go ahead. I think I think the Rams are actually better with, without Ndamukong What do you think about that? You know, uh, I think they're too early to say. I mean, it's been it's only been two weeks, but I think they're, they're a faster defense right now. I think that the addition of Eric Weddle... You know, no Sue, but I think Weddle has been very, very uh, profitable for them. He was second in the team in tackles. He had seven tackles. He's been a great leadership component, which I, I, you know, obviously, I don't really know Sue, but I know that Weddle has been right there in the mix, guiding the defense as a, you you would say, like like an assistant head coach. Corey Littleton this, this year, he's been awesome. He had eight tackles. He led the team. And so, and even Dante Fowler this this year, he's been very much uh, hit five tackles. He's been very much in the mix. And so, I mean, I think this front seven just overall as a team took a step. It's nice to see them kind of fly around and to do it not necessarily with Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, the last couple games, he's been double, triple teamed. And so it allows his other teammates to make plays. And they've been doing that so far. Definitely, definitely. Um... Definitely strong contenders in the NFC West. I think they're they're going to be the team to beat moving forward. Uh, just if they stay healthy, I mean, yeah, I mean they look good for the rest of the season. Granted, they do have a pretty hard schedule coming up, so that's some that's something that we'll keep our eyes on. 
That's right. It makes it interesting because this, the Rams are up, and now the Saints, they have Drew Brees out for the next, what, six or seven or so weeks, and so they were a big contender in the NFC, so this makes uh, it very interesting for the Rams moving forward. Okay. so There was, we, uh, there was a little scare, though, before we move on. I know Rams fans, they were, held, they were holding their breath. I think it was like... Five or six minutes left in the second quarter. Aaron Donald uh, was laying on his back after uh, almost a sack attack, uh, a completed sack. Yeah. And then he went into the locker room early. But luckily he came back. Um, yeah, it looked like nothing happened, but I'm sure a lot of Rams fans were holding their breath when that happened when they saw it on TV. Speaking of injuries, the one thing to note that makes this kind of Kind of worrisome moving forward is their guard, Austin Blythe, left the game. He had a, from what I understand, it's an ankle injury. Uh, he didn't finish this game. I mentioned before this offensive line, pass protecting hasn't been that great through two weeks. And so, not a good scenario moving forward. Their offensive line right now has been underperforming, which is okay so far because they've still been winning, but it does make you wonder about how this offense does. Jared Goff, he doesn't do too well in pressure. Remember that. So I hope they can get that back on track. All right. Next game, what do you want to talk about? You pick the Niners or pick the Seahawks? Let's go go Niners on this one. Okay, so this is kind of a... This is blissful as a Niners fan. I think that... You know, while the Niners won seventeen, I mean thirty-one to seventeen last week against the Bucks, it was not a convincing win. Garoppolo looked shaky at times. You would, you can argue that the defense saved the Niners. That you know it should have been a lot closer game than it, it, the score indicates. But after this week two victory, you know pounding the Bengals, not only pounding the Bengals but doing it on the road, they compiled about five hundred plus yards of total all-purpose yards of offense they had what shoot i think what 250 plus of rushing yards you had three undrafted running backs between matt Breida, raheem mostert jeff wilson just killed them just killed them in, in the running game and then you saw um some kyle shanahan filling himself wizardry with some of the play calling especially that early touchdown pass from garoppolo to marquis goodwin I mean, guys, I mean, oh, this... Oh, baby. This, I was just licking my fingers when that happened. This what a great fight. Oh, my God. It doesn't get better than this. So the Niners, 41-17. to 17, A convincing win for a team that was in need of a convincing win. There are a lot of Niner fans debating whether Jimmy Garoppolo should be even the starter for this team, whether Nick Mullins should be the starter because, you know, of that week one performance. And so... Yeah, man. Uh, this is as good of a victory as it gets. They are 2-0. What say you tee up? Because I know that the Bengals team isn't necessarily good, but they almost beat the Seahawks last week. So I just, every get every given Sunday. But, I mean, what, what, what do you think of this? Let me say this. Let, let this soak in. Let this soak in for a minute. Okay. Total yards, San Francisco, 572 all-purpose yards. 572? Think oh, about that. shit. 572. Okay. We were here in this position last year, week two, Minnesota, 
just struggling. We couldn't get our offense going. Nothing was going our way. One year from now, 572 uh, total all-purpose yards from our offense. Man, what a turnaround. What a turnaround. Our rushing game was able to get established early, and that just opened up the passing game for the rest of the game. Boy, was it a beautiful sight to watch. It's one of those games that really... I don't know. You can look in one way. One, you can say the Bengals are a really bad team. You can kind of like put this under the rug. Conversely, this is the type of game where, you know, for Kyle Shanahan, he's coming into his third year. This is the type of game where it shows, you know, the vision of his offense, meaning that running backs can be receivers, receivers can be running backs. And when I say that is, you know, Mostert and Breida, they're active pass catchers out the backfield. And then you saw Debo Samuel. You know, just getting the ball in his hands, whether it's been a screen pass, end of rounds or whatever. But, you know, you're seeing a lot of promise out of their, their wide receivers making plays out the backfield as well. Uh, a lot of versatility. And this is kind of the vision that Kyle Shanahan is putting together. And it does make you wonder, too, because they've had plenty of misses thus far in terms of like what they were trying to originally get their offense. They signed Jerick McKinnon. They had high hopes for Dante Pettis. They didn't really get much out of him. But they're still finding ways to rack up points right now. Uh, so right now, I you know I am sipping the Niners Kool Aid right now. Um, I have nothing really bad to say about them, other than the fact that their left tackle Joe Seely uh, injured his fibula. He's probably out for the next six to eight weeks, and so moving forward, you know obviously you want to protect the quarterback, and they're a contending team. Their their backup is a six round pick. Just in school, that's not an ideal situation. You would hope that they would look for other options this week, whether it be trade or sign some through the waivers. But I don't know. Um, we've been talk- talking all this good stuff about the Niners. Are, are you worried about this this pass protection moving forward, especially with Joe Saley hurt? Of course. I mean, all all Niners fans should be concerned because now you know we do have some formidable defenses, especially Pittsburgh. I know they got some good pass rushers. Uh, we saw in Cleveland uh, just yesterday, Miles Garrett just handled the, that left side of the line against the Jets. Um, those are definitely things that we should we should definitely be worried about. I mean, come on. We got we to gotta protect Jimmy because he, he, he basically he's a captain. He's the captain of our ship and we need him. Right. But you know, we'll take it. We'll we'll take the win. We'll take it's a learning experience for the youth. I like what I'm seeing. The play calling has been much improved from the previous week, and I hope that we can keep the ball rolling on this one. This one is uh, it's exciting to watch. Yeah, I guess one thing I do want to point out though is uh, Dante Pettis is apparently still in Kyle Shanahan's doghouse, and Kyle Shanahan has a. Uh, got a liking for, for Devo Samuel, and that's pretty cool for a rookie. I can't say the last time that we saw a rookie Riley Stever being featured as much as Devo Samuel. It's been a while. No, Devo Samuel, uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe he had seven, eight catches for about 81 yards and a touchdown. He looked good. He's one of those guys where you want to give him the ball in his hands. He has a little bit of Anquan Bolden to him where he really fights for the ball. Um, very savvy. He has kind of a running back type of build. I like it. I like it, and I can understand why he's been 
getting more playing time than Dante Pettis as as of now. Uh, from what I understand, Dante Pettis he ran more routes. He was involved more so this week than last week, but he still got zero targets. So I don't know, man. Zero targets. Conversely, I, I will give a lot of credit. So we're giving credit to Debo Samuel on the other side of the football. Quan Alexander. Inside linebacker, they signed him to big bucks this offseason. He's coming off an ACL injury where he's coming from Tampa Bay. And there was a lot of uh, yeah, a lot of fans, uh, myself included, were a bit skeptical because it was another ACL project, per se, where you would hope that we didn't overpay for him. He left last week because he was kicked out for a late hit on James Winston. And so this time around... I don't know about you, but I saw him all over the field. I saw Quan Alexander on every play, and he even had an interception in the um, in the first half, which made it awesome. So, uh, kudos to Quan Alexander. Uh, he's really ramping up this this front seven defense. Yep. Every you know, at the end of every play, you'll see number fifty six and number fifty four at the ball, and that is Quan Alexander and Fred Warner. I'm loving it. Loving it. I don't know if it's because, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's because I have a bias, but I really had nothing critical to say about the Niners, especially after a forty-one to seventeen victory. The only thing that really bugs me is the injury, but that's about it. Tee up. Any other final thoughts about this game? No, looking forward to next week. Let's keep the ball rolling. Okay. So last but not least, Seahawks, and it's uh, it's interesting because you know, for myself personally, you know. With a healthy Steelers team, I was expecting the Steelers to be mad and you know have a convincing win at home. But you know, you know what? The Seahawks uh, they they squeaked it out. The Steelers now are zero and two. They lost twenty eight to twenty six. But more importantly, uh, man, this um, this offense started out kind of slow. I was worried earlier. Chris Carson had an early fumble that. You know, kind of put them at odds, and even Chris Carson, he had another fumble in the second half that kind of kept the Steelers in the game. Even with Big Ben out, they um, they started the backup quarterback in Mason Rudolph, and so it's a tightly contested game. But man, the Steelers, um, the Steelers, early on, their their pass rush was really good. They got to Russell Wilson several times. I think there was one drive where he got sacked two times in a row. But Pete Carroll, he made the adjustments. He gave Russell Wilson a lot more quicker passes, a lot more quicker reaction. And then Russell Wilson, I mean, he had a beautiful game. He had three passing touchdowns. Let me pull up the stat. He, he was, I mean, he was A1. This is what you pay your quarterback for. Russell Wilson was 29 for 35 for 300 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. Ten wow. Cat, yeah. Wow. Right? That is efficient. Tyler Luckett, 10 catches for 79 yards. And the rookie, the rookie, DK Metcalf, three catches for 61 yards and his first career touchdown. That is a convincing type of offense. Will Disley, the tight end, two touchdowns in the red zone. That is how you respond in the second half. That's all I'm saying. Definitely. Uh, just amazing numbers, amazing stats. The rushing game was on point. Rashad Penny and Chris Carson both had... Uh, equivalent games, 62 and 60 yards. Yep. Uh, Rashad Petty had that one TD. Um, and, wow, I mean, his wide receivers, like, we, we thought that losing, um, what's his face? 
Tell me out. Oh, Doug, me out Doug Baldwin. Yeah. Doug Baldwin. Yep. That would really affect him, but, you know, the emergence of DK Metcalf, 61 yards, only three receptions. That's ridiculous. Tyler Lockett, 79 yards with 10, with 10 receptions. Like, they, the, the ball distribution, other than Tyler Lockett with 10 receptions, is pretty equal. And that just goes to show Seahawks is, you know, they go, there's no favoritism. They, they go with whatever man is open. And, you know, definitely a, a scary threat as, as the season, season progresses. And we all know Seahawks, they get better as the, the season goes on, especially in December. Yeah. And, you know, mind you, Ben Roethlisberger, he left the game. James Conner, he hurt his, uh, I believe he hurt his ankle later on in the game. So the Steelers won 100%, but I just like the adjustments that Pete Carroll and the Seahawks team made. There's offense. Russell Wilson, first and foremost, I mean, he really turned it on in the second half. I'm really happy for him. And this is why you pay him the big bucks. He looked phenomenal this game. He looked absolutely phenomenal in the second half. Yeah. Wow. What a. I can't get over that. 29 for 35. Just like, sheesh. That is efficient. No turnovers. As fuck, man. No turnovers. And, you know, more importantly, uh, DK Metcalf, I mean, you know, only through. It's only been two weeks, but, you know, DK Metcalf to Russell Wilson. I mean, Russell Wilson throws one of the best deep balls in the NFL. And he's been. Uh, yeah, he trusts the, the rookie in DK Metcalf to throw it up into coverage and for him to make a play. He's done it so far. I've been very happy with that connection thus far. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a problem. Seriously, seriously. Um, any other final thoughts about this game? I think the only thing that kind of bugs me, you know, they won 28 to 26, but at the same time, I mean, Mason Rudolph, he's never really played that much football in terms of starting. They almost, I mean, it was a very tight game where it really shouldn't have been, per se. And I think a lot of it has to do with, um, for whatever reason, their, their pass rush this game wasn't that great. It was kind of on and off. I didn't really hear too much Jadavion Clowney. I didn't really hear too much Quinn Jefferson this time around. I know that Al Woods was out. I knew that Puna Ford was hurt. Um, but I really didn't see that much pressure from the, the Seahawks front seven. Just, it wasn't like it was last mm-hmm. week. Yeah, and I mean, actually, the Seahawks, they had the early lead. They had the lead in the third quarter, but then Pittsburgh, they tried calling back, and something makes me think that if ben, Big Ben was still in there, they they might have squeaked out the win. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and mind you, I mean, the Seahawks secondary, they didn't look so great in week one, and so they might have gotten a bit of a break this time around with the injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, definitely true. Um, yeah, we'll see. Man, I'm excited for the Niners to play them. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and segue to week three. I'll go ahead and introduce the lines, give you the matchup, and give me your initial thoughts going into week three. Uh, but before we go ahead and introduce the lines for week three, I wanted to give a shout-out to one of our sponsors, The Spread Podcast. They've been awesome. If you want an edge going into week three, check out The Spread it's a gambling-centric podcast focused on stats, space picks, and predictions against the spread to give you insight into the best picks of the week. Go ahead and check out the spread. They're awesome. So, okay, let's go ahead and get started for week three. Niners 2-0, Seahawks 2-0, Rams 2-0, Cardinals 0-0-1-1. So, 
man. Okay, all right. Let's go ahead and get started. So the the Seahawks they get a home game. Uh, they're playing the Saints, and you know I know the Saints played the Rams, but this time around they're gonna have Teddy Bridgewater full time. Drew Brees is for sure out for the next couple weeks, and so um, at Seattle, what's the line tee up? What's the what's the spread? Well, a Drew Brees list Saints. Drew Brees, Vegas. They made the correction. I'm just gonna go. Let's go Seattle minus six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. Let me double check this baby right now. I have. <laughs> wow, it's kind of conservative. Uh, at Seattle, I'm surprised. Four and a half. Four and a half over under. Yeah, four and a half over under forty-four and a half. Oh man, that that seems kind of low. <laughs> Do you think it's gonna go up in time as the week goes along? I don't. I don't know. Why? Why is that? Maybe it's because I mean, you know, the Seahawks they had a very nice win on the road against the Steelers, but they beat them by two. They had a home game against the Bengals. They won twenty-one to twenty. They haven't really had convincing wins quite yet, too. I, I get that perspective. I don't know. It just seems like it, it should be a little higher, but obviously Vegas they know a little bit more than us. And it is week three, so Vegas is starting to come around with their lines. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I, I just think that I think that seems too low, but what do I know? Okay. Okay. Any other thoughts about this game? I mean, yeah, I I kind of agree with you. It's a little. Uh, I if if it stays at four and a half, I I would definitely lay the points to Seattle. I like it. I really do like it. Yeah. Yeah, I would too. Okay. So conversely, do you think that everyone's a little too high on the Niners right now? So the Niners are two and zero, coming off two road games. This is their first home game. At San Francisco, they're hosting another team without their starting quarterback in the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mason Rudolph now gets the starts. He's from Oklahoma State. And so for their home opener coming off a 2-0 record, what is the the Niners spread right now? What do you think? Mm, man, if, if Vegas went low for that last Seattle game, that's tough. I'm gonna go minus uh, minus six Niners. Pretty close. So it opened it opened with the Niners six and a half. Last time I checked, as of now, the Niners are seven points favorites over under forty four, which is what in the world. I you know I'm a Niners fan. Don't get me wrong, but I do feel that you know that the train is that's a bit high. That's a bit high, in my opinion. It seems a bit high. It, do, and, and it does. With being at seven, the over-under is 44. That's really low. Over-under low at 44. The Niners at seven. I don't know. I don't know. Vegas, is, they're messing with my emotions right now. Okay. I can't take it. It makes you feel good as a Niners fan. They're like, oh man, like the public is really, you know, on the Niners. Seven points, a touchdown spread, but I guess we'll see. From what I understand, too, I, there, I mean, there, there was an article on The Ringer saying that, hey, Mason Rudolph might arguably be better than Ben Roethlisberger at this point in his career. Um, you know, 
Rudolph played well in the second half when Roethlisberger was hurt. I I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, a, that's a toughie, but hey, I'll take it. If we win by seven, I'm going to be happy. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see the next game we have at hand. Uh, let's see. Let's do the Cardinals. So the Cardinals are playing. You know what? Shoot, this might be a game where they can um, they can get their first win of the season. They're 0-1-1, meaning that one loss and one tie. But after three weeks, if you were to tell me they went 1-1-1, as a Cardinals fan, I'd be I'd be very happy. So they actually um, they have a home game. They play the Panthers. And from what I understand, Cam Newton, he's not 100% where he might not even play the game. It's it's that bad of an injury per se where he's kind of questionable going into this week, and so with the assumption that Cam Newton does play, because if he were not to play, I think this line would go up. But what's the opening line right now? Panthers at Cardinals. Oh man, Panthers! They are not a good team right now. They just lost to the Bucks. Like, uh, they got their asses. I don't want to say they got their asses handed, but they looked horrible in Thursday night football. And mind you, that's with Cam Newton, uh, CMC, um, you know, a decent defense, man. Um, I'm going to go, oh, I'm just going to go with the basic Vegas home field advantage, minus 30. My Cardinals three. minus 30. Really? Okay. Uh, I thought, well, you were close. Oh, I might go, can I, no, can I take it back? Can I take it back? Okay, go ahead. Let, let me go minus one, Cardinals. Two-point swing. Okay. I think that might happen if Cam Newton were not to play this game. But as of right now, I'm assuming the line is based on Cam Newton being healthy enough. Right now, the Panthers are favored by three over under 46.5. So the Cardinals are home dogs. Three. And okay. That makes sense. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, the Cardinals, they still have yet to win a game. Um. But I, I really like this game. I think that, you know, after two weeks of moral victories for the Cardinals, I think that they they could put this together and get their first win of the season. If they go 1-1-1 one, one, and one and beat the Panthers, they would be in pretty good shape. I would consider that a very good situation for the Cardinals. Yeah. I think they yeah, can. Yeah, that makes sense. That I think they sense. can. I'm I think okay they can, that. though. Uh, I, w- I would so I would mm, I'll take the points if it were to come to that. Let's find out if Cam Newton's gonna mm-hmm. play though. Let's just let's just see, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, last but not least, uh, you have Sunday night football, and so the Rams they're coming off. I won't say a controversial game, but fuck it, they beat the Saints. They beat the Saints convincingly, twenty-seven to to nine. And now they go on the road to play another hyped-up team, only in the AFC this side. It is the, the Browns, and the Browns, are, they're coming off a Monday Night Football game, and so they get another primetime game at Cleveland. Rams at Cleveland. What's the spread for this one, Tia? In Cleveland, on the road, Sunday Night Football. Ooh, this is a toughie. I'm going to go Browns. No. No. I'm going to go Rams. No, stop it. Stop it, Thomas. Stop it. Rams are 2-0. <laughs> Browns, are, Browns are 1-1 and at, at Cleveland. I'm going to go Rams. I'm going to go, let's go Rams minus. 
Rams minus five. Okay. It's kind of like the uh, the Panthers Cardinals thing. It's uh, Rams minus three, and I think the I think the point spread should go to five. I. You know, the Browns, they didn't play so well against the Jets. I don't know why it's uh, so close. You know what I'm saying? That, yeah, that one for sure doesn't make sense. I would, if I was a betting man, I would take the Rams on that one. I mean, given uh, the Rams, their pass protection, Blythe, this hurts. I know the Heavenside didn't have the best game. I know that their, their line overall through two weeks hasn't been ideal. And that you know the Browns obviously you have Miles Garrett who's coming off a three sack performance against the Jets, but I don't know, man. This Browns offense doesn't really scare me. They had that one eighty six yard touchdown to Odell Beckham, but outside of that, they didn't really kill the Jets either, you know. So uh, I'm I'm on the same page as you, T up. Yeah, Vegas Vegas is acting weird right now. Are they are they sick? Are, do they have the flu? What's going on over there? Yeah. Or maybe this is a trap game for us. I mean, I I think it would be easy for Rams 3, but shit, what do we know? I just... Um, what do we know? Uh, things to consider. Things to consider. So, all right, T-Up. Well, that is Week 2 recap. Going into Week 3, any other final thoughts as we head into Week 3 of the NFC West? Uh, Yeah, actually, so... As we all know, we are pretty uh, up-to-date with the Jalen Ramsey um, demanding a trade after last week. He got into an argument with uh, Doug Marone, and he demanded a trade. Okay. And as of one hour approximately from now, and it is 9.37 Pacific Standard Time on Tuesday evening, per sources, the 49ers has offered the Jaguars, a first-round pick plus additional picks for Jalen Ramsey. So I don't want to discuss it right now. Let's, let's, let's wait for this to play out. And um, definitely an exciting time. You know, I have my opinions, as you're fully aware of, and I know you have your opinions. So maybe uh, once we know more, maybe maybe a little emergency pod action going on. That would be spicy. And another thing to add to that as well, doesn't mean anything per se, but coming off that Brown-Shuts game, Safety Jamal Adams doesn't mean shit, but he was benched during the game at the latter stages. And so from what I understand, he hasn't necessarily requested a trade yet, but take it for what it is. I mean, it's social media, but he unfollowed the Jets on Instagram and Twitter. He wasn't too happy about the benching. I don't know if that means anything, but, you know, come... Later on in the week, whether it's Jalen Ramsey or Jamal Adams, you might have two of the premier defensive backs in the league looking for uh, employment elsewhere. Will they be in the NFC West? I, you know, for the record, a lot of people like Brian Peacock with Locked On 49ers, they really like he wanted Jamal Adams as the second overall pick over Solomon Thomas, but that didn't happen. And, you know, Jalen Ramsey, to your point about secondary play i mean going into the season the niners were you know a lot of fans were critical that they didn't really address the secondary so niners maybe the seahawks because they because they've been struggling in the secondary uh maybe the no i don't know about the rams but you know maybe one of those nfc west teams might nab jamal adams or jalen ramsey 
I'm just putting it out there. And to your point, they already the Niners already made a proposal to the Jaguars, right? Yeah, and maybe uh, when we wake up tomorrow morning, we we hear some good news, but we'll have to wait and see. <sighs> it's spicy. It's spicy. All right. To my loyal listeners, thank you so much for checking out the pod. Continue to check us out on Spotify, on iTunes. Of course, I'm on Twitter, at JustTheWest, Instagram, at JustTheWest, and, of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. I do apologize the last couple weeks. I've been a bit busy, inundated with work and wedding and other personal commitments, but you'll see more ink on the blog. Tee up. Thank you so much for your time. We are out here. Peace. We out. All right.